Welcome, everyone, to the Nick's Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something's always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan, and with me this week is a very special guest, my good friend, Brad Robertson. Brad, introduce yourself to the people. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name's Brad Robertson. As Nick mentioned, I'm 31 years old. Uh, just recently hit my one-year wedding anniversary with my beautiful wife, Ronnie, so that's pretty exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, other than that, uh, I enjoy baseball, sports of all kinds, really, um, running, and obviously TVs and movie. TV and movies, not TVs and movie, <laughs> which is why uh, I was excited when Nick asked me if I wanted to do this. So uh, I'm pretty pumped to be here. Nick, just, you know, I even like shaved and cut my hair. <laughs> Uh, so it's a podcast so this is my first first ever uh, appearance on a podcast yeah awesome well at least you know you look good uh when you shaved and cut your hair so yeah thanks for coming on uh since you mentioned baseball just really quick do you think we're gonna have a baseball season this year you know that's that's a painful topic um, it really is i i wouldn't be surprised if they if they don't do something when all this is over, right. but I don't think we'll get uh, anywhere near even a half season. Right. So I don't think they'll really be able to start baseball again until maybe um, maybe June, but probably July at the earliest. Yeah. Maybe they'll be able to get like a I don't know a seventy eighty game season in in two three months. Yeah, but <clears throat> I would like them to because the Reds made some. You know, <laughs> yeah, moves. yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, they're they're talking about maybe starting games like without fans there, as as ho- as hard as that would be. Like at least I get to watch on TV, right? Right. Um, and that's better than nothing. Uh, and so I don't, I don't know how feasibly they're going to do that unless they're, you know, they're going to test everybody and keep them in one location until it's safe to go to their home stadiums. Um, but I have no idea. Yeah. One of my, uh, one of my buddies, Quentin Craig, he uh, is Haley Craig. Hey, formerly Haley Good's husband. Yeah. Um, posted on Facebook today that, you know, if sports really want to come back, uh, they could easily offer tickets to um, people that have already, like, beaten this whole coronavirus thing, mm-hmm. have tested negative, and they could just give tickets away and have a crowd of, like, a 1,000 people. Yeah. Uh, and do it that way to, like, you know, especially those people that have gotten past it and recovered if they, if you know that you've screened people and they can't be carrying it, mm-hmm. why not have some fans? I mean, it'd be a cool thing for them. So I don't know. It's a good idea. I, I don't know that they'll ever follow it, but I agree. If they just do, uh, do stuff on TV. I think. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think like from what I've read, at least sounds like, um, you know, the owners and the players are all like they're all in agreement that they want to play that they want to to uh do whatever baseball they can have and so um you know and i'm i'm on board with that because i i just i really miss it i have i have uh here in my desk drawer i have 
tickets to six different Reds games for this year. Um, and so far, I'm only convinced that one of those is not going to happen because uh, the rest of them are for later. Have they announced how they're going to handle that? They haven't. I haven't heard anything. Um, but once we get close to the to the game time for my first ticket, I'm just going to say, you know, are we postponing this game? Are we having a refund? Um, what are we doing? So like, yeah. uh, I don't know yet because I haven't I haven't needed to find out. Um, right. But I I have a ticket for May 16th. Um, okay. So like that'll be the by then I'll know something. Yeah. Um, and then my next ticket isn't until like late June. Um, so I, I'm still holding out hope that I might get to use that one, but, uh, my, I've given up hope on the May 16th, but, but the late June one, I'm still hoping that I might be able to use. I will say this, uh, this whole not having a season so far has provided for some really great, uh, fanfare on Twitter and, uh, and Instagram from players. I saw a tweet from, uh, Tucker Barnhart earlier in this bit. Uh, one of the many things I've learned during COVID-19, rain delays are nowhere near as bad as I thought they were. <laughs> Man, yeah. I can remember sitting at Great American and just being like so irritated on a number of occasions that mm-hmm. there was an hour, two hour, three hour rain delay. And I'm like, man, what I wouldn't do to be stuck in Great American for three hours because of a rain delay. Oh, I know. At least the team shop's open and Skyline's open. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, that's it's. I would give anything to be in a rain delay, even if they said this is going to be a two-day rain delay. Um, I'd stay there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. it's just uh, it, there, and there is good content out there. I really like. Um, I like to follow Trevor Bauer. Um, and I know yeah. he's controversial, but. Uh, he's he, his Twitter account is entertaining. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's at least like some, some light out there. Uh, and there'll be players having more time to tweet is a good thing. True. Well, and I feel like it also puts it in perspective, right? Like these guys are in the, you forget often that these guys are in the same that we're in. Right. Like they're stuck at home. Now, granted they're most of them are stuck at home and like, multi-million dollar homes and yep and they're still getting paid think yeah. of they've got, you know i saw that um uh you know that guy that plays for that team over in chicago <laughs> the one that all the ladies love that i won't mention by name <laughs> very pregnant wife we're taking bp at home like they he's got a cage set up and i was like that's awesome yeah but it, it's it's a reminder that you know they're they're going through the same stuff we're going through in the sense they're stuck at home. They're trying to find ways to keep themselves entertained. Yeah. So, and uh, did you see that Amir Garrett, they, they did a MLB the show tournament and Amir Garrett won it. Oh, that's awesome. I do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's things like that. Like uh, I heard that Fox sports is going to start broadcasting 2k games. Um, I, uh, I'm getting my fix right now simply because I play tap sports baseball. <laughs> yeah. Keeping, me, keeping my baseball love alive. Right now. I, I always have MLB the show. Um, like that's one of my, one of, when I became an adult, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my parents were always like, you know, you need to wait till your birthday for this game. When, when the new baseball game would come out every year. And so when I became an adult out on my own, 
my, one of one of my things as an adult is that I buy the new MLB The Show game every year because <laughs> that's awesome. Because I used to have to wait until my birthday at the end of April to get it. Yeah. So um, I bought it and I was like, you know, there's like a week of spring training before um, everything shut down. Uh, and so I've, I've been playing that a lot just to kind of, you know, I still have baseball in my head and there's a hypothetical 2020 season here. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can to cope with it. So, um, moving on, um, there's been a lot of opportunity to watch our shows, catch up on our current shows. Um, and so one of those shows that you and I both watched is Stumptown on ABC, which is new this year. Yeah. Uh, so Stumptown recently just ended its first season. Um, Stumptown stars, Kobe Smulders, uh, Jake Johnson, Michael Ely. Um, it's got quite a good group there. Um, and I was really surprised at how much I liked the show. Um, and I thought it ended well. What, were, what are your thoughts? What do you have to say about Stumptown? So I, I've loved the show so far. Um, I really, I really appreciate the the character interactions, um, especially with Ansel. Um, yeah, it's had just such great storylines built up with Tui, with um, with his sister, with Dex, and and it's just been this this kind of. I'm excited to see where that goes. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, that the first season ended really well, you know, wrapped up kind of uh, a big piece of that main storyline to some yeah. degree mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Blackbird, Benny, is it Blackbird, right? Benny yeah, Blackbird. Benny Blackbird, yeah. His his kind of death and, and that whole background story for Dex and why she kind of is the way that she is today. Um, it left some cliffhangers as well, which – as much as I hate, I also love, like, that's such a, a double-edged sword. Yeah. Uh, because you look forward to the next season. But I'm nervous about right. the show continuing. Yeah. And so in preparation for this podcast, I did a quick Google search because I was curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have a buddy that works for um, – Nielsen that does like all the TV ratings and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I did a quick Google search and Stumptown's rating is abominable. Like it's just terrible. It's like a 0.49 rating in our demographic um, with about 2.8 million viewers every week. Mm-hmm. Well, really when you look at it against like other TV shows across different networks, it's just not good. Right. Um, but with that said, I think that that's, they've built up enough viewership that it may hang on at least for one more Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have a couple thoughts on that. So number one, um, I think this year, just given what's going on in the world, maybe the hardest year yet for them to order new shows because – pilots aren't going to get produced in the same quantity that they were before. Uh, True. So this is the COVID-19 as bad as it is for everything that we love, including baseball um, 
<laughs> one of the best things that could happen is that a bunch of bubble shows can get renewed. Um, and so there's, we shouldn't discount that because there's a lot of, a lot of that, that kind of thing does happen. You know, if there's, if they don't have enough good new stuff that they can put on instead, um, they're just going to renew Stumptown. It's a known quantity. Um, but also Stumptown, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have a Google search pulled up like you did, but, um, one of the other things that especially ABC has considered in the past, um, you know, cause like agents of shield has lasted seven seasons. Uh, and that's not the best live rating show of all time, but it does really well in delayed viewing. And so I just did a quick search on my phone here and, um, at least when this Hollywood reporticle art Hollywood reporter article was published in December, um, Stumptown was getting some of the biggest gains in delayed seven day DVR delay viewing. Uh, so people are watching it on Hulu on demand or DVRing it and watching it later. Um, well, that's so, a, that's a good Cause that's actually how I watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they do uh, more and more. They pay attention to that because they're not saying any, I mean, it still has to do like they can still get better advertising revenues with live viewing, but they know that if they make a show that lasts three or four seasons and they sell it, put it on a streaming service that more people are going to watch it. And so um, they think about that now instead of just whether it's doing well in the ratings on that night or not. Delayed viewing matters more than it ever has. So I'm optimistic because I know like I was watching it on Hulu too, just because my uh, DVR was recording like six different things already on Wednesday night when it was on. So uh, I was trying not to mess with it too much. And I was just watching some town the next day on Hulu, uh, but they do track that. Uh, so I'm hopeful that that means maybe more some town. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's a good point. And you know, I, I'll say this, and I'm not as, as well-versed and kind of, I don't look at these stats near as much as you have, but, you know, you, I, every time I hear you do a podcast or read something that you've posted on Facebook or wherever, like, it intrigues me to look things up about where, you know, shows are, are ranking in different places. And what I was just looking at ABC's latest rankings for our demographic for, like, mm-hmm. script shows – and what amazes me is, like, of the shows on here that I've seen, mm-hmm. like, I feel like Stumptown is better than a significant amount of these. Um, and, and I'm not here to bash any show, but I can tell you we watched, like, the first half of, or maybe the whole first season of Bless This Mess. Mm-hmm. And of both of the, the main characters, Dak Shepard and um, I think her name is Lake Bell. Uh, yeah who's actually in the movie we're going to talk about later. Um, but I, I love both of them. I think they both have great personalities. I think they're hilarious. Uh, but the show just didn't jive for me. And so it was surprising that it's like, I mean, it's literally seven spots ahead of Stumptown. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to wrap my head around that a little bit. Um, I'm hopeful that it'll come back because I think they've got a lot left to uncover um, about mm-hmm. Dex is wired the way she is, about the, you know, Ansel's um, coming of age story, I think is really interesting as well. Yeah. And then, of course, what's going to happen with Tui and his 
his uh, wife that stepped out, you know, that whole situation. I mean, there's, there's just a lot hanging on that last episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's, it's so hard to get a, such a good cast and be the kind of well-rounded characters that you see in Stumptown is just, they're all so uh, complex and, and layered. And so the more I got more interested, the more they peeled those back. Um, yeah. The more we saw about Dex and Gray and Gray's history and and Gray being involved in missions with with uh, with Dex and with um, I'm drawing a blank on Michael Ely's character's name, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So he's doing he's doing undercover work for the police and and just the each character is is three dimensional and they worked really hard to make sure that they are. And so I would hate to see that work go to waste uh, just because people are watching shallower things like, and I've never seen an episode of bless this mess, but, um, and it's from what I, from what I hear, it's pretty good, but uh, you know, sometimes a half hour show is easier to watch. Um, There's not as much of a commitment involved, you know, like I'm, I'm, I've been watching through Seinfeld because it I, it goes faster, you know. <laughs> um, well, and, and arguably, right? You some of these shows like that are ranked higher than Stumptown that would put on a bubble. I mean, some of it is just the fact that they've been on for so long. Mm-hmm. You think about Grey's Anatomy, for example, like cult following. Uh, everybody that watches it is going to watch it until they cancel it, um, right? Connors, you know, you get the nostalgia from the 90s with Roseanne um, and then other families coming to an end, but it was on for a really long time. Um, The Rookie has been on, I think, for a really long time, at least three or four years. Yeah. Uh, And so I think that 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 plays into it. You've got those people that are already invested. Mm -hmm. I do think that the three-dimensional characters – um, now that it's over and people may go back and like catch up on it with that delayed viewing, um, I think that they'll get invested and you'll really see you kind of grasp, grasp, like grab onto that and, and those storylines forward. I'm really excited to see what they do with Hansel. Um, mainly yeah. because I think he brings in, you know, you've got the action packed piece. You've, Hansel's just got that heartstring like connection. I feel like everybody knows somebody like Ansel. And so they want to see his story unfold. Yeah. I think Ansel in a way is the, uh, the, uh, forgive my metaphor, but he's the baby Yoda of Stumptown. Uh, (laughs) Just kind of the, the, that's what makes everybody care about it. Um, Is, is, you know, Dex has got to get home to Ansel at the end of the day. And, um, all these people are important to Ansel. So, you know, I feel like the audience kind of feels things through Ansel. Um, but yes, according to the article in December on the Hollywood reporter, sometimes seeing the second biggest live plus seven gains of any other network show. Uh, the only one higher was prodigal son on Fox. Uh, so, so I think that there's, there's something there and, you know, I think that they will see, I think, I don't know about future seasons, but I think that f- among other reasons, a good reason that they have to renew it for season two is to say, you know, season one is going to be on Hulu all summer. 
uh, we think people might catch up on it and watch season two live. Yeah, and at least, well, and at the very least, like, give it an ending, right? Like right. an actual I mean, there's nothing that irritates me more, and I understand why it happens. But when shows end, and I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, cliffhanger endings are, have been plaguing television fans for, for uh, decades now. So... I feel you. I, I just finished watching uh, Happy Endings a few weeks ago, and yeah. that show just kind of got canceled, you know, pretty unceremoniously. Uh, so it it has like a the ending's not terrible, but it's also just like it, it just happens, you know. The show's over. There's no more episodes. Um, so I'm hopeful that that even if it's a shorter episode order or something like that, that we'll get something from. Stumptown. Right. Give me some closure. That's all I want. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's a really good show. Uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it on Hulu. Um, it's got a great cast, uh, lots of TV veterans and people that I love to watch. Um, and really a great soundtrack. Uh, also. Yes. Yeah. The uh, music is fantastic. Yeah. And I, I'm a big like eighties music kind of guy. So, that suckered me in right away, but uh, I guess it's based on a comic book, so there's that too. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, uh, so there's a Stumptown comic book, and they adapted it for for network TV. I think there was one. I think Hoffman. That's the name I was trying to think of earlier. Hoffman is uh, a girl in the comic book really um yeah so but other than that it sounds like it was pretty straight adaptation no i just looked it up up on amazon volume one add to cart (laughs) uh yeah so i I just learned that pretty recently but um yeah it's you know colby smolders is a great actress i love jake johnson i love michael ely um the rest of the cast is great too did you have anything you want to say about Stumptown before we go on? I think that's it. I just, if you haven't watched it, um, definitely give it more than, than the first episode. Um, I was on the fence after the first episode. My wife was totally hooked. Um, she was like, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Let's watch it again next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little behind to where we were watching it like a few days after still in that plus seven yeah. range. Um, by about the end of the second or third episode, I just was, I felt very invested already, uh, which isn't, which isn't super common for me. So um, if you guys haven't watched it, go watch it. If you're unsure about it and you've ever watched, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the show. How I Met Your Mother is <laughs> Robin Scherbatsky. Yes. So Colby Smulders is Robin Scherbatsky is Dex Perios. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah yeah um agreed on all counts i think that what i really i really got suckered in about the time she was working with donna logue's character uh when she was shadowing the other private eye and they they got into that that those two episodes where he where donna logue was in there um those are that's what sold me on watching the rest of the show 
So you need to at least make it to Donna Logue before you make any like heavy judgments about the show. But and we know we all know you got time. So watch sometime. All right. Uh, so next up is our segment called Infinite Playlist, and that's a way for us to tell the world what we're loving now, why, and how to get in on it. So, Brad, what are you loving right now? Man, I was, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was trying to burn through, like, what I'm loving right now because there's so much. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of have, like, three different categories of the way that I, like, group what I'm watching, which is stuff that I'm watching because um, it's a show for me. It's like my, you know, my me time type TV shows, which include like Ozark. And um, I was really into SWAT for a little while. Mm. Admittedly, like, we'll just go ahead and, and address the tiger in the room. I definitely <laughs> watched Tiger King. <laughs> it's just a train wreck. You can't not look away. Um and then uh, I've got the shows that I watch with my wife, uh, which we're really into Manifest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has just, the way that the character development has occurred, it's gotten really, really intense. Um, and so I think that right now, like, and then I've got the stuff that I watch in the background um, that I don't really, like, pay super close attention to, but I find it entertaining which is where I'm at with like shows, you know, similar to Superstore, yeah, uh, single parents, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm really loving right now is definitely really loved the third season of Ozark. Um, just finished it up yesterday. Um, it's it's definitely one of those shows that uh, you have to be prepared for the vulgarity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is definitely that's a that's a brad watches on his own show because <laughs> wife um doesn't do well with uh a lot of harsh language mm-hmm. uh, and violence and that's that's what is in that show but the the storyline it's um so you know jason is the the main character of ozark um he plays a, a guy named marty bird and basically he was a family planner a financial planner um in chicago gets messed up with a drug cartel and moves to the ozarks um with his with his family to try to launder money for uh for the mexican drug Mm -hmm. Um, eventually his kids get involved like it's just wild the way it all plays out um but they do a really good job of kind of creating this uh, double, um, this double dual viewpoint really of all the characters. So it's got this dimension to it where it's like, you see their, the humanity in them. You see like the, the piece of them that cares about, um, you know, the people that work for them or um, in the third season, like they reveal that Wendy uh, his wife has a brother and his storyline plays out in the third season and like you see her come to terms with different things and it's gripping mm-hmm. uh, to watch them be emotionally invested and then on in the same episode you get to experience them just being like these ruthless like do 
anything at all costs, whatever it takes to keep the drug cartel happy. Uh, you know, money launderer, like drug dealing type people. And it's just the way that they, I think I'm just fascinated by the psychological piece of it, of how they can just flip that switch yeah. and turn things off and on. Uh, so it's been, it's been really good. Like I said, um, if you guys are thinking about checking it out, just be warned. I'm pretty sure there's like not a rating on it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's that, um, it's definitely a wait for the kids to go to bed, maybe even wait for the wife to go to bed type <laughs> show. You can find it on Netflix. Uh, the other thing that I'm, I, I mentioned is, is Manifest. Uh, watched Manifest, Nick? Uh, I haven't. You know, I, uh, I was meaning to check it out because uh, I like Josh Dallas. I was a big Once Upon a Time fan, uh, but I hadn't gotten around to watching Manifest yet. I'll just tell you, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's worth sitting down. It's one of those shows that you definitely want to be alert, like not working on other things and really pay attention to because there's so many different nuances and like small things that happen that play into um, later episodes that it's, it's funny because we watch it and, and I'll catch my wife no, wait, now who's that person? I'm like, don't you remember that in this episode? <laughs> and it's like, we both pick up on these really, uh, really key details. So like you mentioned, it's Josh Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, Melissa Roxburgh, who plays his sister. Um, and then one of my, I, a guy that I just, I really think he does a good job in this show. And I've seen him in a few other things. Um, J.R. Ramirez. Uh, so he was in 24 um, briefly a couple times, I think. Maybe he had a recurring role in 24. Uh, I think he was on the TV show Power. Um, he plays the love interest slash almost brother-in-law of Ben Stone, who is, is Josh Dallas. And the whole concept of this is that, um, you know, Josh Dallas and, and his son and his sister – um, are all on this flight back from, I think they're coming back from Jamaica um, or maybe the Bahamas. And, and they're on separate flights than the rest of their family. The rest of their family gets home and their plane never makes it. And then, and five years later they show up, they're the same age as like, so everybody else in their family has aged five years. Yeah. And they're the same age as when they're the, beach and so like his son has a twin sister she's now you know like 14 and he's still nine years old um and so it's it's just fascinating like to get that kind of um sci-fi twist to it mm-hmm. but then it, so I, it really gets into some theological like ties it definitely has some christianity themes throughout it which is really kind of cool to see play out in fact one of the the returned passengers becomes a pastor of uh the church of the return basically where mm-hmm. you know these people really convinces people that they're like angels um and and then they end up you know throughout the course of the show they continue to find out more and more and uncover 
you know, what really happened to them. And there's all these stories and drama, but at the same time, like there's the, you know, his sister's a cop. And so there's the investigative police viewpoint. I really think it has something like if you're a sci-fi lover or you like cop shows Mm -hmm. uh, or you really enjoy like stories that are puzzles it kind of if i had to describe it i would say it reminds me of like a uh it's almost like blue blood meets um i think the show it's on for a few years uh resurrection yeah with um i can't remember the guy's name that's in that show but um so it's it's like blue bloods meets resurrection um almost means I don't know, I gotta think. Um the <laughs> sci-fi what was the, the big sci-fi show about the aliens? Uh you know, every it Mulder small it was Oh, X Files. X Files, thank you. I couldn't <laughs> Uh, meets X Files, like that's kind of the whole. It's just, it's just really, really intriguing. Um, and so I think you can right now. Um, I watch it. It's it's a live show. Um, I watch it on YouTube TV, um, but it's also um, I'm trying to remember what network it shows. It's on. NBC. It's I think it is on NBC, and so I think you can watch it on like Amazon Prime, um, maybe Hulu. I'd have to go check. Uh, I'll check on my iPad real quick while we're talking, but um, excellent show, definitely worth checking out. It's, I think it'll it'll people really quickly and just the the mystery behind, you know, what's next. Yeah, um, that's great. I uh, appreciate your thoughts on those. Uh, so I'll just I kind of speak to them real quick. I've not seen Manifest, like I said. Um, it's, it's funny that you one of the shows you compared it to is resurrection uh, because I absolutely like got so fed up with that show. Oh, I uh, it was just like, they're just trying to, it was just like, they're just yanking your chain. Like uh, we're going to introduce more mysteries and, and do more things and, and plot was here and plot was there. And the problem with resurrection was that you don't care about the characters. Um, like or you start to but then you get annoyed with them really quickly and then it it got canceled unceremoniously um so (laughs) that's maybe that's why subconsciously i held off on watching manifest uh because it reminded me of resurrection and i was like i'm not going there um (laughs) but i appreciate your thoughts on ozark too because i started it a while back and i never really got going with it i think i was watching it on a like work trip. Um, and then I just never got through the first three after the first three or four episodes, I got distracted or something. Um, but, uh, you know, I work, I write for telltale TV and the, um, owner of that site recently published a review of, of season three and she's called it a perfect season of television. And so that's the first I'd really thought about going back and watching that. And so now that I have some extra time on my hands, I may do that. Yeah, so I was actually kind of in the same boat. I watched like three or four episodes. I walked away from it. I came back and I made it through, like I finished all the first season, got really into the second season, made it into like 
I want to say maybe the seventh or eighth episode of season two, and I just dropped it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when season three came out, I've got a a group chat with a a bunch of friends from high school that are all really into it. And one of them binged it in like a single day. um, And he was just talking about how hands down, it might be, you know, in his top three, top five shows of all time now. And I was like, man, I got to go check this out. And so I ended up finishing season two and watching all of season three in about a week. Um, And I will say it definitely cracked my top. In fact, it's now in my top five after three. So um, it just, the ending was absolutely mind blowing. The character development has been insane. And then just these, these plot twists that come out of this, you start to think you've got it figured out and you're like, Oh, that, you know, yeah, Marty and his wife are going to take off and, and they're going to get out of this and they're going to cancel the show or whatever. Like it's run its course and then bam, something new happens. And it's just like, you just find yourself sitting there like, what am I watching? Like, how did they, (laughs) how did they twist that in that direction? Like, I don't even know how you made me care that that happened. So definitely worth checking out. Like I said, made my, um, I would have probably said it was close to my top 10 and it, I, the, I ranked my top 10 in, in my chat with my buddies. Um, mm. It actually jumped into number three. Uh, wow. Actually sat down and, and wrote it out. So Awesome. Uh, so I have something written down on the outline to talk about for this segment, but I'm, I'm going to call an audible here because I'm going to piggyback off something that you brought up. So, um, you know, we talked about manifest and, and how it relates to resurrection and how it's kind of a, a mystery laden show. And one of the failures of resurrection is that, um, from whenever that was five or six years ago, that, that the characters were kind of shallow. And so one of the shows that I finished watching for the season, um, this year was emergence on ABC did you see that at all? I did not. I have not gotten into that. Um, I've seen the previews and the we've, it's one of those that um, my wife and I, every time we see the preview, we're like, Hey, we should check that out sometime. Uh, okay. But we never did. Yeah. So you should, uh, especially I think if you like manifest and, and you paid any kind of attention at all to resurrection, you would appreciate this for several reasons. Not the least of which is it's still very, you know, there's a lot of twisty turny, like mystery elements to it. Um, but what really sets it apart in my opinion is the characters. So this show is led by Alison Tolman, who I don't know if you've seen the first season of Fargo. Yeah. Uh, she was Molly Salverson on Fargo. Okay. And, uh, she's also a college classmate of one of my theater professors in college. So um, I'm only like three degrees, two degrees separated from her. Anyway, uh, I'm getting off track. Uh, But Allison Tolman leads it. And then she's got a cast around her of uh, Clancy Brown, uh, Donald Faison from Scrubs. Oh, I love Donald Faison. I know, right? Um, (laughs) And Owain Yeoman, who was on, um, I reviewed Turn for four seasons. On, uh, You're on the back of the DVD box. I am on the back of the DVD box. Turn season three. That was a proud moment for me. I was like, hey, I know. <laughs> so, fun fact um, 
my quote is on the back of the season two box, but I, my name is not on it. Uh, so something that I wrote made it onto the back of the season two box, but uh, my name did not. But on season three of Turn, uh, it says fast paced, thought provoking, and action packed, credited to Nick Hogan, TVOvermind.com. That is me. Um, I will have you know, off track real quick, but I will have you know, I literally, when I found out about that, I went <laughs> to Target and I turned all of the turned DVDs around so that people would see the back of it first. <laughs> Your name would be prominently displayed in Columbus, Indiana, Target. Oh, man. I, well, I appreciate that. Uh, that's still, I dropped that fact on people and they're like, no, I don't believe you. Um, <laughs> that's it's like probably the most unbelievable thing that I tell people uh, is that my name is on the back of the turn season three DVD box. Uh, anyway, so all that to say that Owen Yeoman plays um, he's on the show and he plays Benedict Arnold on turn. Um, and he was one of the better actors on turn, but he does an absolutely incredible job on emergence and it makes it's the characters that really make it worth watching. So the plot, the plot twists and turns uh, don't matter as much. And like, I think resurrection tried to make you care about what was going to happen next and emergence. You're not so concerned with that because you're more focused on these characters and, and how they're adapting to these situations. Uh, But it still has that mystery sci-fi feel because um, there's just, the premise is essentially that this girl is found on this beach by a helicopter wreck and she doesn't know who she is or where she came from. And so this police officer takes her in and then th- th- there's this whole mystery surrounding who she is and these people that don't want her to be found. Um, and it's just a really great first season. And that's another show that didn't do great in the ratings, but does really well. It's, two or one or two places below Stumptown on live plus seven gains. Um, so it, it does really well, uh, DVR wise. And that's just how people are watching shows nowadays. Yep. Um, so I'm hopeful for a second season, but, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and find out, but I, I want to, yeah, before you move on, cause I do want to talk about the, the title you had. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Plan, but one other thing real quick because you mentioned well I guess I mentioned Columbus Indiana um, I haven't haven't gotten into season two yet but all American uh, mm-hmm. stars a kid that went to Columbus North yep and so I've been watching it started season two uh, I season one was pretty good um, obviously it's a high school drama so take it with a grain of salt yeah uh, you know but um, Something else that for those people that maybe are into sports and looking for something that has a little bit of um, not, it, it's now never going to be as good as Friday Night Lights. Nothing ever will be from that. Right. Um, but it is something to check out if you're, if you're missing your football action. So I thought I'd put a little plug there. Um, yeah. Yeah. My brother was in class with him uh, with uh, Mike Bailing and uh, I know his, one of his siblings so um yeah that's that's great um i what i originally had on the outline was um was onward uh which is was was diverted to disney plus um after a short theatrical run because all the theaters are shut down now 
Um, and I, I was, it came on video on demand like a week or so before that. And then I was like, no, I, I paid for Disney plus I'm, I'm waiting until it comes. <laughs> um, but I was, I had been interested in it because I like Tom Holland and I like Chris Pratt and Pixar very rarely lets me down. Uh, and I have to say that I was not disappointed. Um, so good. Yes. So I, I, uh, I watched it with my daughter and I, I had a good cry on, uh, Saturday morning when I, when we watched it together, just because it's so, um, you know, somebody who is as close to their brothers as I am really felt it. Um, but also just anything to do with, with, uh, dealing with parents and the loss or finding of parents and, and, uh, the sibling relationship. And I think where it charted new territory in onward was the sibling relationship it really explored um, what it's like to have a brother and, and in some ways a brother that replaces a, uh, a parent or other relative. Um, but it's just a really fun premise. Um, lots of cool references and um, mythology and it's, and it's, uh, it might get you, it might make you cry. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I'm right there with you. In fact, we had a, we had some friends that were looking to watch it and, and we had already seen it. Um, and they were like, Hey, can we, can we come over and six, sit six feet apart and, and watch onward? Cause they don't have access to Disney plus. And I was like, please do, because I want to watch it again. It was that good. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on the, the brother thing. The other thing I thought was really smart on their part is that the brother was not, um, so often, you know, we get that big brother moment where the big brother is like this cool, like jock type, you know, like super mm-hmm. popular kind of guy that finally like connects with his brother. And it was just the total opposite. Like is the, the big brother is just so nerdy and like, I love it. Um, super into, you know, things like basically like D and D type games and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. it just becomes almost like the hero in the story um for his brother which it just you know i don't have a brother but i have enough uh friends that are older than me or or guys that i've you know just have been a part of my life for so long that i just it resonated with me Mm -hmm. uh, and definitely left me feeling pretty just all up in my feels man like i don't have kids at the end of it, I was just like, wow, that was so good. Yeah. And I, I fully admit that, uh, having kids has made me more weepy. Like I I've maybe cried in five movies in my entire life before I had kids. And now it seems like I cry in every other one. Um, if that's <laughs> the case, I am screwed. <laughs> Cause I cry all the time now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I just tell you, like, I don't, I don't know if it's just because I have two little girls or, um, it's just, you know, I was already a pretty emotional person, but, um, uh, you know, it, not many movies had really made me cry, but then I just like, you know, Avengers Endgame, I, cr- I bawled like a baby and I've seen it like four or five times and it happened every single time. Um, and onward. And I watched uh, in the, since I've had children, I've saw inside out for the first time and Coco for the okay. first time and just, Oh man, every single one of those films wrecked me. Hey, so, if you ever want to talk, maybe you already have, but if you ever want to do a, a segment on inside out. Okay. 
have my wife on, Ronnie. Yeah. She actually like has done some some lessons like with her youth group when she was in youth ministry and has created like tools and other things. Like she's really gone in depth on understanding like really what Inside Out talks about and how it relates to our daily lives. Like she's got all these cool like teaching tools for it. Uh, I think she would she'd do an excellent job if you ever want to talk through that movie on, on your podcast. Yeah, I'm definitely open to that. Um, I'm always looking for I've pretty much talked to anybody about anything. So uh, (laughs) do you have anything else you want to add before we, uh, now that we've given everybody ample recommendations to look through? I don't think so. Are we still going to cover our, uh... Oh yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to grab those peanuts and cracker jacks and it's time for a segment called take me out to the ball game, which is an attempt to see every baseball movie ever made. On this podcast, we covered the likes of Field of Dreams and The Sandlot. Uh, most recently, we covered Undrafted, the 2016 uh, independent film. Uh, and now, next is Disney's 2014 film, Million Dollar Arm. Yes. So I even rewatched it uh, last night um, just because, one, it's been a long time uh, since I've seen it. But. Uh, and wanted to refresh myself, but man, what a, what a great story, uh, based on a true story, no less. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm, most people will know this movie because it's Disney and it stars John Hamm. Um, but it also has, uh, Alan Arkin, Lake Bell. We mentioned her earlier, uh, Asif Manvi, who, uh, is on CBS's evil, which is an excellent show. If, uh, if you're still looking for stuff, um, and Bill Paxton, and, it, and it, I believe is close to the end of Bill Paxton's life. Um, I don't think he's done many movies after Million Dollar Arm. I don't have that in front of me. But uh, he passed away a few years ago, and he hadn't done much uh, after this movie. So I, I it was appreciate, and I had never seen this movie before. So I just watched it for the first time for this podcast. Um, so uh the premise in a nutshell is that a, a flailing agency needs to uh come up with something to continue to continue their cash flow and they decide to tap into uh India to try to recruit baseball players from cricket in India. Uh so they start this competition. John Hamm goes to India uh and it's really so I'd never seen it before and I really enjoyed it. Um but I also like, uh, it's funny that you're talking about, about Ronnie teaching with, uh, inside out because right now I'm teaching for the first time an intro to sport management class at Ivy oh. Tech. Um, and just this week we covered, uh, agencies and sports marketing. <laughs> like, like you could not, it could not be timed any better. Um, and this is really just like if I'd been teaching the class in person, um, I've, I've only been teaching it online anyway, but if I'd been teaching it in person, I would have showed this movie because I could not believe how perfect it was just for, to learn the ins and outs of the kinds of things that um, agents and, and sports marketing people do and the kind of things that people need to do to get um, recruited to play baseball and whether they need to be skilled and easy to work with and things like that. So I, I was just, it was kind of a, kind of an inside baseball kind of thing for me, um, how it's made 
kind of felt like that, but um, in a really interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I thought that um, I think that John Hamm does an excellent job developing that character that J.B. Bernstein, which um, as I mentioned, right, like it's, it's based on a, a real event. So J.B. Bernstein is a real person. Um, in fact, so are the guys that play baseball. There, there really was a million-dollar arm contest mm-hmm. uh, in 2008. It was a reality television show. Uh, they had the second season of it in 2011 um, in India. And so um, – but, but John Hamm does this really excellent job of basically going from being this, like, machoistic – uh, you know, playboy sports agent who's down on his luck, um, but is bringing home supermodels all the time. And, <laughs> and uh, that's just kind of his thing. Like he's definitely just the, he drives a Porsche. Like, you know, he goes to clubs and, and parties with NFL players um, and always wants to put the deal first, right? Like business comes before anything. Yes. And really how these kids from India just like kind of, um, you know, push their way into his heart. Mm-hmm. And it, you just see him soften from the moment he gets to India to the end of the movie. There is this arc for John Hamm's J.B. Bernstein character that I feel like any person can relate to. Like at any point in time, somebody has found themselves feeling or being like, you know, for lack of a better term, just a jerk. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've all been there. And then having something or someone come into our life that helps us realize, hey, I'm being a jerk and I want to get back to the person that people want to be around, that people want to celebrate. Um, And that's really what John Hamm does in that that role. And he's just really, really good at it. And it's also, if you ever look up J.B. Bernstein, they, I mean, they did a great job casting him because I <laughs> totally see the resemblance. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the movie, they have a bunch of pictures of the real guy too. So if you ever, you know, if, if people haven't seen it before and they watch it at the end, they have the real Bernstein in like a slideshow, uh, you know, as they often do in sports movies. Um, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with the genre, um, but you're absolutely right. Ham was perfectly cast and really the hook, the, I, I really, the inside baseball stuff about agencies and, and marketing and stuff like that was, it was kind of a footnote for me. And really the draw of the film is John Ham and the character's transformation over the film. Yeah. So he, he starts out as, as like you said, a, a playboy who's, who's living a good life for lack of a better term. And then, um, you know, he grows into this person who, genuinely cares about people and he realizes that he you know he 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 seems like he has it all at the beginning but it's it's obvious that that's not true and so by the end he really he does you know he works hard to do the right thing and um you know he repairs these relationships that he's broken over the course of the of the film uh and i think really the coolest part for me is that both of these baseball players were real baseball players and one of them debuted in the major leagues yeah and and you know so i was i was rinku singh and, and dinesh patel um real guys it's funny uh what what i think is interesting right is um if you watch the movie you'll see that rinku has a very uh, distinct 
way of throwing a baseball when he first picks up a baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it comes from being a javelin thrower, which is just – I they don't really touch on that. They don't really speak to it that much. Um, there's like a, a fleeting line about it. Um, but here you're talking about the, these kids that entered a contest, some of their families not being very excited about it, right? Yeah. Taking a risk and going to America where – they know no one or no, you know, don't know anything. They pick up English. Like they learn to love pizza. They, uh, you know, and at the same time they hang on to the roots. I think that, um, and I'll talk a little bit, we can talk a little bit more about the, the baseball players, but one of the scenes that really just grips me in this movie um, is there's a scene towards the end of the film where um, Rinku and, and Mitt, who is the, their, agent in training who hands down like from a comedy perspective like makes the movie for me um mm-hmm. just that he's it, just love his quirkiness in the movie um <laughs> and then Dinesh like they're in their room you know praying to this shrine that they've set up because they want to stay connected to their roots and they want to be true to who they are as people and uh and Bernstein John Hamm comes in and sits down and prays with them um, and at the beginning of the movie, he had made a comment about how he doesn't pray. Um, and so it was just a really cool, like that, that movie made me, or that, that moment made me choke up a little bit. Cause it's like, here, you've got this, this, uh, guy that went from being a, bring a different super model home every night, um, drive my Porsche and go to parties and, and, you know, live up the good life, uh, stepping into a culture that he knows nothing about, um, that truly he invested in only because it was a ploy to make him some money. Right. And he sits down on the floor with these, you know, two teenage kids and, and another guy and, and just kind of invites in their culture into his personality. And so, um, that was a really cool moment in the movie. Uh, sorry, I diverted the, the no, comment. That's okay. Real baseball players, but, uh, but yeah, so they are. They they were, I guess. They both got signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates, which, you know, are a rival of our favorite team, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. They did something cool, whatever. About the only thing they've ever done that's cool, so Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um and I'm I'm kinda glad that these guys didn't make it far enough to to get into a fight with our Reds. Um I, I do not yeah, like the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jacked. <laughs> um <laughs> a professional wrestler now. yeah yeah so i i read that i was gonna bring that up actually uh is that is that uh patel lasted a little longer because he he made it all the way to the major leagues and i don't think rinku ever did um but he's now rinku is now a professional wrestler um currently signed with wwe according to wikipedia yeah so uh, um I think that's crazy. And it's just, it speaks to how, even if it doesn't, even if that particular thing doesn't work out for that person, you know, somebody might skip to the end and say, okay, well, did they, did they get to the majors? You know, they got signed by a major league team. Did they get to the majors? Well, one of them did. The other one didn't, but you know, he's, his life is still changed for the better. He's acclimated to American culture. He's athletic. He um, now makes a living doing something related to sports i wouldn't so go f- so far to call it a sport because it's it's more like acting um right. 
<laughs> but it still takes athleticism to do, you know, lots of former athletes from other sports end up pro wrestlers. So, you know, I, I really just think that that's, it speaks to a, how you, you know, people out there calling baseball players, not athletes, you know, they're wrong, but also just how, um, the culture shift in the, in the movie is so interesting because they, they leave their culture and they come here and they bring part of their culture with them. And they also acclimate to the, the culture here. And yeah. it's just kind of an interesting give and take. And it learns, it kind of teaches you to how to respect other people's cultures. I think um, just to, to be nice and respectful and, and learn rather than dismiss. And um you know, I think, I think that's, I don't know how I got there from pro wrestling, but, um, I think that was the point of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, I would say the other thing that along those same lines that I really enjoyed is it, it opens up this conversation. Um, like I think about, you know, watching this movie in, you know, a couple, you know, 15, 20 years with teenage kids and being able to, to really drive home the point of look like, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to try new things um, because you'll never know where it'll, where it'll end you. And not only did these guys try something new, find some, you know, relative success. Um, I mean, they got signed, right? Like that's, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and one point I think, you know, we, you already mentioned Ringtu goes on to be a professional wrestler. Dinesh ends up going back to India Um and uh, I think helped train kids for the second season of the real show of the million dollar arm contest. Mm -hmm. uh, and Amit goes home to coach baseball. And so, you know, you see them like branch out, try something new, and then they all kind of find their purpose in life. And it's just a, a great story of, you know, like not to be afraid to put yourself out there to try new things, um, to be bold and, and, take control of kind of your own destiny and and try to to be more than you know what your circumstances say you should be i mean everything that the whole background is like they're both from really poor families and um you know, they're destined to grow up to be you know like a truck driver for the, the one dad the one guy's dad is a, is a truck driver and he's like well that's basically what my life's gonna become like i'm gonna become a truck driver and, right and, and he gets to have this whole experience. Um, I did some additional research because I actually got really hooked on this idea like of the million dollar arm. I wish I had known it was a thing in 2008 because I would have watched it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the second uh, season of it, they picked a guy. Um, they were going to take him to, well, he was, he went to China uh, to, to train at there's like a major league baseball training facility mm -hmm. it's on China and uh, he ends up going like think he got an offer to sign and turns it down uh, because he got a call from like the national government to join like the India like national police which is like a huge thing for a kid from a yeah so it was like this huge honor and I was just like man like there's also a part of you that then wonders like, okay, so if he hadn't put himself out there and tried this and done this baseball thing, would he have ever gotten an offer to join uh, 
you know, the Indian National Police or whatever. Like, so just, it's just a great movie. It's got something for everybody. Um, I think that, that the storyline just tells itself. I also really love that, just a total side note, that Popo, who is the, uh, <laughs> played by Ray Maluga, who's been in a couple of other, like, minor cameo appearances. He plays, like, an NFL linebacker. Mm-hmm. That Bernstein's trying to to sign. Um, actually, he may be a. Oh, you know what? He played for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Um, the real Ray Maluga, I think, is his name. But he reminds me so much of Troy Polamalu, uh-huh. uh, which I just thought was ironic because they ended up getting signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Uh, and so, anyway, that was just kind of <laughs> for me. That I, I happened to click on his name on IMDb just now and just that he played for the Bengals. So Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Um, the only other thing I was going to say was just that I think one of the best things, probably my favorite takeaway from it is, you know, these kids, when they're discovered in India, they're throwing um, in the low 80s, right, which is – if you're familiar with baseball at all, it's not like they they can't go straight to the field with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they bring him to this coach at USC played by Bill Paxton. And, and he basically says after their first couple of workouts, you know, John Ham's character just says, you know, be honest with me. And he goes, well, they, they, they've got arms and they listen to everything I said, you know, they're coachable. they, I think they could do this. And I think that lesson applies to just about anything. You know, I, I spend time volunteering coaching kids in, in drama. Um, and there are some of them that are pretty convinced that they either have talent or they don't. And I, I don't think that's true. Um, so I think one of the best things that they can do is, is be coachable and listen to people who know more than them. Um, and so that I really appreciated that angle in the movie because, um, you know, baseball players, generally speaking, are made, not born. And that is the, the same thing is true for a lot of things. So, like, if you're not good at something, there's still a really good opportunity for you to become good at it, given the right coaching and attitude. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. It's And you something you've said – just reminded me the other the other cool message you know at the end like their second tryout right before jb's kind of giving them a a little bit of a pep talk mm-hmm. and he says in on that what they're going to do different than they did the first time which the first time didn't go well um right. is is you're going to have fun and and i thought that that was a cool message as well like you know and whatever you're doing um these things that you're doing that you're trying to put yourself out there, find more out about yourself, you know, really kind of broaden your horizons, like find the joy in those things, like make them fun. Um, That I think is just a really cool and very important message um, for, for the, you know, all generations. If I'm going to try something new, like why would I try something new that there's no, there's no fun in, it just makes me miserable. Like that's, I mean, if, yeah. if you go and decide I'm going to try boxing at a gym 
in six months when gyms open again. Um, and I get punched in the face and I walk out and I'm like, well, that was miserable. Uh, there was nothing fun about that. I did not enjoy that. Why would I go back? Right. Um, but if I can find something fun in it, of like, oh, I really enjoy learning the technique or I enjoy like knowing that footwork is as important as how strong you are. Like if I come from that aspect and I really find a way to enjoy the learning process, then maybe it's worth showing up a second time and getting punched in the face again. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's really about um, perseverance and attitude more than anything else, more than, than raw talent. Like you, you, uh, even if you can throw pretty hard, your million dollar arm comes from how coachable you are and uh, your persistence. So uh, do you have anything else you want to add about million dollar arm before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I think that's good. Um, Check it out. I know it's on Amazon prime. You can rent it for like two 99. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not on Disney Plus. But. Yeah, I was too. It's not on Hulu. It's not on Netflix, I don't believe. Um, but there are other ways, you know, out there to watch it. So yeah. um, at the end of the day, like, guess what? You don't have anything better to do. Order it on- <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Um, thanks, Brad, again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. This was fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, you can follow uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nikki A Hogan. Uh, that's where I tweet about the podcast most. I use the hashtag Nick's Infinite Playlist uh, if you want to talk about something related to the podcast. Um, I also have Nick'sInfinitePlaylist.com, which is uh, where I post these podcasts uh, in blog posts. And uh, you can also follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you again and good night, everybody.